we're in the middle of a series called The Christian Atheist, and we've had three weeks already, and we're actually going to finish it up next week. Paul's going to be with us, and he's going to continue to speak. And uh, we've kind of tagged the whole series, uh, and it's, it's this, is you believe in God, but live as if he doesn't exist, right? So that statement is just like an acknowledgement that many of us, we believe in God, right? We confess with our mouth. We live in a culture that confesses that 70% of Americans say that they believe Jesus is God. And, but there's just a reality that even though we say something with our mouths, the way we actually live shows that we actually believe something different. And so we've kind of been tackling different topics, and it's been really fun. We've talked about intimacy with God, uh, and we kind of titled that, You Believe in God But Don't Know Him. Connor taught us about um, renouncing all that you have. Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you need to take up your cross and follow me. And so Connor talked about like the joy, the challenge of, of denying everything that you would prefer, but also the joy of a, a life following Jesus with everything is actually the best way to live. And then uh, last week, Shannon taught us about you believe in God, but not his church. Or he actually rephrased it, you love God, but you don't love his people. And so I, I hope that in this series, you've been challenged to maybe like actually rethink what it means to be a Christian in some of these like areas of our lives. I think that's that's a really healthy thing to do if you're a Christian. I've, I've been trying to do it actually in my morning devotions lately. Like when I come to the Bible and just be like, I just need to like sit before the Lord and just like daily renew my mind and rethink what does it actually mean to be a Christian. And, and above all, I really hope that you've seen this too, that, that the life Jesus calls us to, it is, it's a really high calling and it's super challenging, but it's actually like the best way to live. Like Jesus said, that I came to give life, and I came to give life to the full, which means that if, you, if you're living outside of God's will for your life, you're actually robbing yourself of the joy you were created to experience. And so we're going to continue that um, tonight, and um, I'm just going to spend some time praying and just asking for the Holy Spirit to help us tonight, and then we'll get into what um, I have to share with you. So let's pray. God, I thank you for your love for us. Uh, God, I thank you for... Uh, Jesus, God, he is worthy, and he is worthy of our praise. Um, Jesus, I thank you that you bring peace to our lives. God, that you calm our anxiousness. And so, God, I pray that you would meet us in the room tonight. And God, I pray that you would uh, confront the areas of our lives that are um, just out of order. But God, I also pray that you would invite us into a life with you that is full of joy and full of life and full of uh, just pleasure. And so, Jesus, I pray that you'd speak through me. I pray that we'd be humble and receive your word tonight. And it's in Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. So if you were in a coffee shop, so you're at Sozo Coffee or something, you're, you're hanging out with a friend, and there's a, a, two people sitting next to you or beside you, and, and there's a grown man, and he said to the person sitting across from them, and you're overhearing this conversation, and he said this, I can't do anything by myself. I can only do what I see my dad doing. Like, you heard, a, you heard a grown man, he's sitting there talking to another person, says, listen, I can't do anything by myself, and the only thing that I can do are the things that I see my dad doing. What would you think of that person? Like, what, what concerns would you have? Because if it were me, and I were overhearing that conversation, I'd have to put pause on what I was, was talking, and I'd, I'd be like, in my mind at least, I probably wouldn't say to him, but I was like, dude, that's like really immature way of talking. Like, if you're a grown man, there's a lot of things you should be able to do by yourself. Like, and you, maybe you're in a relationship with your dad that's like codependent, it's unhealthy, like that's just like an unnatural 
level of codependency on this person. <clears throat> What's really interesting is when you look at Jesus' words, in John 5.19, I'll put the, the scriptures on the screen. This is what Jesus says of himself. He says, Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. And in John 5.30, um, just a few verses later, Jesus says, um, By myself, I can do nothing. See, this is, why it, it, this is why it's super important when you slow down and read the Bible, because when you actually see some of the things that Jesus says, you realize like, how shocking they actually are. See, Jesus in a nutshell here, is he's, he's, he's confessing with his mouth his powerlessness and his unwillingness to do anything apart from his Father. He's saying, listen, I'm unable and I'm unwilling to do anything apart from my Father. And when you look at those words and you, and you actually think about the words that, of the grown man that I just told you about in the coffee shop, you actually see that Jesus is pretty much saying the identical same thing. And, and I want to make a quick point about this, <clears throat> is that Jesus, he wouldn't do anything apart from his father because he knew who his father was, right? So that, that comment in the coffee shop is only odd if you have a human dad who, is, who makes bad decisions at times, who is imperfect, who doesn't love perfectly, who isn't all wise. But one of the reasons Jesus, like, he, he had this type of relationship with his father is because he had a father who he knew was full of wisdom, a father who he knew was full of love and full of goodness and had good intentions towards him. See, at the heart of Jesus' words is actually what I want to talk to you tonight about, the need to live utterly dependent on God. Like, the need to come before God and say, God, just like Jesus said, God, I can't do anything apart from you, and I won't do anything apart from you. And so I'm titling tonight's message, You Believe in God, but live as if you don't need him. I'll say that one more time. You believe in God, but live as if you don't need him. And all of us at, at some level, we know this experience, right? Like most of us, we know with our minds and we sing songs that like, Lord, I need you. But our kind of like default mode way of living is just to wake up and I just start living, right? Like by your like natural kind of like operation, autopilot is just, I just wake up and start, I start living my day. I got, and I, and I, I don't say this to make people feel bad, but I talk to so many people and I have the same struggle in my life where I'll just wake up in the morning and halfway throughout my day I realize I haven't prayed to God today. I haven't interacted with his word. I haven't even like gone to him to like even think, I haven't even brought him into my mind to think about how I'm processing my day. And so our default mode is we just wake up and we use our own wisdom to make decisions for our life, and we use our own strength or the strength we think we have to accomplish those things. And here's the thing. I totally get why we live that way. I totally do, because we live in a culture that has taught us that's how we should live, right? The, the phrase, you're a product of your culture, is like, it, it really is true. Like, you don't even have to be a Bible person or a Christian to know that American culture absolutely celebrates self-reliance, inner strength, and autonomy. And autonomy, what I mean by that is just like a self-governing life. Like, I decide how I run my life, and how I think it should be run is the way that I'm going to do it. I was, uh, <clears throat> I was reading an article a couple weeks ago, and I thought it was really interesting. And it was an American businessman, and he was raised in Texas, and he actually, he moved 
over to Europe, and he was doing business in Europe. And it was Thanksgiving Day, and he was just kind of reflecting on why he loved America so much. And he said, it's because we possess the virtue, he calls it a virtue, of self-reliance. And so I have a little quote from this article that I want to share with you, because I really think it sums up what I'm talking about here. He says, in America, he goes, the self-made man is celebrated, right? So like in our country, specifically our country, if you have like kind of built yourself up, if you've kind of like made yourself an image, if you've become successful yourself, he's like, you're celebrated in our culture. And he says, this is known as the American dream. So if you can build your own life by your own strength, by your own wisdom, by your own power, and you actually accomplish it, he's like, you've actually accomplished the American dream. And then he goes on, and this is really, really, really interesting. He ends this whole article and he says, I am self-made, and I hope you are too. See, one of the things that you really, really need to understand about the culture that you're living in is that we live in a culture that our number one devotion as a nation and our number one commitment is personal success and strength. It just is. Like, we pursue above all else to be successful and to be successful not being dependent on anyone but being dependent only on me. And the point that I want to make out of this is that self-reliance, inner strength and autonomy, the very thing our culture celebrates and builds itself on, is the opposite way Jesus lived his life. And it's the very opposite way of the life that he calls you to. See, when he said in that quote, he ended, he ended that whole article and he says, I hope you are self-made too. Do you realize by Jesus' own statement that Jesus would be seen as a failure in that guy's eyes? And he'd be seen as a failure in our country because Jesus actually isn't self-made in a sense. He says, I'm completely dependent upon the Father for everything, and I do everything only based on what the Father does. So here's what I, do on, here's what I want to do with the rest of this message. I want to do three things, really simple. I want to like, take a fresh look and just get a picture of Jesus' life, and just let, let's just look at his dependency. Let's look at what he said. Let's look at what he did. And then I want to talk about what that means for our lives, and then I want to talk about why dependence on Jesus living this way is actually just a better way to live in general. And so let's start with what Jesus said. In John 5, 18, and, I, and I'd already read this, but I just want to read it to you again, just so that you can really like, cement in your mind the words Jesus is saying. He says, The Son can do nothing by himself, John 5, 19. He can do only what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Jesus is saying, listen, I'm, I'm speaking of inability here. I have a powerlessness apart from my Father that I, I can't, I literally, I can't do anything apart from him. In John 6, 38, Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. So he goes, listen, I'm unable to do anything by myself, and the things that I do do, they're, they're completely shaped and directed by my Father. My actions, they're, they're shaped by my Father. And then in John 8, 28, he says this, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know who I am, and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. So in those three confessions of Jesus, and there are plenty more, if you read John like 5 through 8, Jesus has a ton of these statements. Jesus is saying, listen, I'm unable to do anything. My, my actions are completely shaped by my Father, and the words that I say are all shaped by my Father. And this is, this is why this is so surprising to me, 
Jesus is an authority figure, right? Like we call him the Lord. He's the Lord of all. But people in authority don't talk this way, right? If I were, if I were uh, like a Christian, and even as a Christian, if I think about Jesus and what type of like the way he lived his life and the way he operated, like I totally expect him to be somebody who like looked within himself, being that he's God, finding the strength he needs and therefore living. Or like he set forth his own agenda. Like whatever agenda he had, he wanted to do, that's the thing that he did. But Jesus is an authority figure that isn't like any other authority figure that we have in this world. He confessed of himself, listen, I can do nothing and will do nothing apart from my Father and his will for me because I trust that God's love for me and God's goodness towards me and God's wisdom is all that I need. Paul Miller, he's, a, he's an author and he was kind of like, he does this kind of lesson stuff on the person of Jesus and how he loved. And he was talking specifically about like dependence upon Jesus. And he says this, he has this quote, I think it's really good. He says, we see this type of dependence as unhealthy. Like it's, a, it's just like an unhealthy way of living. And he says, Americans in particular, think of like the thing I read about our culture. Americans in particular prize independence and trusting themselves, right? So if I can do what I want and I trust myself, but at the foundation of Jesus's life lies a childlike trust in God whom he calls Father. And here's the thing. It would be, it would be one thing if Jesus lived this way or, like, or if he like talked this way, like this is the things that he said, but you looked at his life and there's like really no evidence that he actually did this. But if you look, I wish you could, I just finished reading the Gospels and kind of like my personal time with the Lord. And I was, apt, I had this kind of theme going through my head because I knew I was going to be teaching this message. And I was just reading Jesus' life and I was like, this, like, what he said is actually like how he lived. Like everything that he did, it was totally shaped by his father and his father's will for him. So I just want, I want to highlight three really simple stories that just shows that, that this is actually how Jesus lived his life. Um, you, you can see Jesus' dependence in his prayer life. At the very beginning of Mark chapter 1, there's, a, there's this story where Jesus is in a town called Capernaum. And uh, he, goes to the crowd, he goes to that town and he's preaching and he's like healing people. And, like, it says that, like, and he actually healed Peter's mother-in-law, which is kind of cool. And so he, he's, staying, he's staying in Capernaum and all these crowds are coming to him in the evening. And he's preaching to them and he's healing people. And... and it says that the next morning, Jesus got up and he went by himself to a solitary place to pray. And so he, before it was even light out, it was completely dark and Jesus goes, he goes and has some quiet time with his father. And while he's out there with his father, his followers get up in the morning, they don't know where Jesus is, and, and they come in and they're trying to look for him and they're like, they're like, Jesus, everyone is looking for you. Now think about it, Jesus is a preacher preaching that the kingdom of God is coming you would think that, like, okay, all the crowds, they've seen the miracles, they've seen, like, they've heard his teachings, and they're coming to Jesus saying, we want to hear you preach. And, and Jesus, I would expect, would, would, would just start his sermon and just start talking to the crowd. But he, he, he literally looks at his disciples, and, and the first thing that he says is, he goes, listen, let's go somewhere else. I know the crowds are looking for me and want to hear from me. He goes, but let's go somewhere else. See, and that's a really like simple story, but there's something in that time that Jesus with his father, and whatever conversation he had with the father, with the father, his, his father's like, listen, there's somewhere else to go, and Jesus submitted. You can see it in uh, John 7. There's a story where, where Jesus is talking with his, um, <clears throat> his brothers, and his brothers actually don't believe Jesus and who he is at the time, and they're like, Jesus, 
uh, you should go up to Judea. There's a, a festival going on called the Festival of Tabernacles. And they're like, nobody who wants to be a public figure does their deeds in, like, the, in the dark. Like, you just need to go and, like, expose yourself and show everything that you can do in your power and preach and do everything for the crowds. And, and Jesus looks right at his brothers and he says, my time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. In other words, you do whatever you want, whenever you want. He goes, my time is not here. He says, I am not going to go up to this festival because my time has not yet fully come. See, Jesus knew, he's like, rather than pleasing people, he knew it was a greater pleasure to please his father. So he said no to his brothers in order to submit and to depend on his father. And, and there's one more, and this is a very, very common um, story, and you guys probably know it, but Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he's going to be crucified, and um, he's praying, and, and, and the passage says in Matthew that he's overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Like, I don't know if you know about crucifixion, but it's probably not something you look forward to. And so Jesus goes, and he's sitting, and he's praying to his father, and uh, he says this, he says, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. And we, and, we, and we know that experience. When God has called us to do something, we're like, God, I beg you, if there's any other way to have this, to be obedient to you without talking to this person, without doing that thing, please just let me do something else. And Jesus is having one of those moments. And then he says, yet not as I will, but as you will. See, Jesus' whole life, and these are just three little examples, but his whole life characterizes like a deep dependence and, and, and a deep love for his father. Because Jesus viewed his whole life, like his whole entire life, he viewed it through the lens of his father. <clears throat> and so what is this type of dependence on, on God that Jesus had? What does it teach us about our dependence upon God? And the first thing that I, I have two things. The first thing that it teaches us is that dependence recognizes that power and strength are found in God alone. I'll say that again. Dependence recognizes that power and strength are found in God alone. And you find, you find that when Jesus says, he confesses, I can't do anything. In John 15, 4 through 5, Jesus says this. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. In other words, stay connected to me. Please stay connected to me because no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine and he says this, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, if you stay connected to me, you will, be, you will bear much fruit. And then he says this, apart from me, you can do nothing. See, what, what I love about Jesus is you, you, I, just, I told you and I told you about his life and his confession. He lived a life of like, I just, I fully submit everything to the Father. And Jesus goes, in the same way that I submit and depend on the Father is the exact same way that I want you to depend and submit to me. And, and, and Jesus is literally saying, he's like, listen, because I, I've, I've had this frustration too. I try to follow Jesus. I try to live the life that he's called me to. And I try to do it using my own strength. And it actually leaves me really frustrated. And because the reality is, most of us, we kind of live as if we only need Jesus for a couple things, right? We go, well, I know I've, I'm bad and I make bad decisions, so maybe I need Jesus for forgiveness. So, like, I, I, I'll, I'll kind of go to him for that. Or we'll say, like, you know, in, in emergency situations, that's kind of like the other time that I'll really go to Jesus. Like, when there's a time in my life that there's really something out of control that I can't control, then I'll go to Jesus. 
But Jesus is saying something totally different. He's saying, listen, you can do nothing apart from me. There's nothing that you can do. You can't, you can't live the life that I've called you to unless you're connected to me. And so sometimes I wonder, like, how do I even know? Like, how do I know if I'm being dependent upon Jesus? Like, how do, how do I know? And one of the best ways to measure your dependence upon Jesus is simply this. What does your prayer life look like? Because prayer, the posture of prayer simply says, God, I can't, and I need you to do what I cannot do. Right? That's what Jesus said. He's like, remain with me, remain connected to me, know that you can't do anything on your own, and just come to me in prayer and remain in me. Prayer says in a humble posture, God, I can't, and I need you to do what I can't do. Prayerlessness, on the other hand, says, God, I can, and I don't need you to do this. Right? And so I just want to encourage you, like, just to look at your prayer life and just really reflect on, like, how, how dependent are you on the Lord? And how much do you recognize that power and strength are found in God alone? <clears throat> the second thing that Jesus' dependence teaches us is that dependence recognizes that God knows best and then submits to him. See, in each situation in Jesus' life that I talked to you about, um, each of his actions and everything that he does is always controlled and shaped by submission to his Father. Because Jesus teaches us that true dependence on God says no to myself and it says no to others in order to say yes to God's wisdom and direction in my life. So in John 7 with his brothers, you said his brothers are like, listen, you need to go up to Jerusalem. And Jesus is like, no, listen, I, I'm not going to do that. I'm saying no to you and I'm saying yes to my father. In Matthew 26 in the garden where Jesus is like really wrestling, he's like, God, listen, I would prefer not to go to the cross. Like myself, I would prefer not to go to the cross, but I, I ultimately yield and I submit to you. Uh, Paul Miller, again, he, uh, he is talking about this, and I love this quote. He says, if we are in a walking, talking, dependent relationship with God, constantly hearing his voice, then we won't be caught between our own or other people's voices. I love that. Because personally, in my life, like, I, I, I struggle. I'll be honest. Like, I struggle to have God's voice be the loudest voice in my life. I just do. Like, I, I, I can get so lost in my mind where I'm just thinking and thinking and thinking and listening to my own voice and listening to my own voice that I just get lost in it. And it's not even my own voice. I hear something that someone else says about me, and I start to care about it, and then all of a sudden that voice is just on repeat in my head, and then another voice comes, and that voice is kind of repeating in my head, and then all of a sudden, the space right here is just filled with voices. And that's why prayer and scripture reading is so important. It's not, just some, it's not just something that we do as Christians because we should do it. Like prayer for me, at least, in scripture, it recenters me, and it recenters God's voice in my life, right? Because Jesus teaches us that we, need, that we need to be people who are constantly seeking the voice of God. And it's found in a deep understanding of Scripture. That's how it was for Jesus. And it's found in a rich moment-by-moment prayer life. Not just like, a, like five minutes in the morning and like I talk to God here and there, but it's just like moment-by-moment. You're talking to God and you're processing with Him and you're, you're asking Him and you're talking and you're asking and you're talking and you're asking all throughout your day. You're just, you're just with God and you're talking with Him. And Jesus is really challenging us and I think he's, he would ask this question of why, why do you make the decisions that you do? 
Like, why do you make not just the big decisions, but why do you make every single decision that you do? And he, I think he would say, is it birthed out of prayer? Like, are your decisions, are they birthed out of prayer? Where there's something that, that, you know, you're faced with and you're praying about it in a moment and as you pray about it, you come to a decision? Or is it shaped or is it guided and directed by my word? Like, is my voice the loudest voice that directs your life? Because dependence recognizes that God knows best and then submits to him. The last thing that I want to do tonight, kind of as we close, is talk about why living a dependent, uh, in a dependent relationship with Jesus is so winsome. Like, why is it actually a better way to live? Because even if you're not a Christian in the room, and you're kind of hearing this, and you see Jesus' way that he depended upon his Father, and you see, like, the life that he calls us to, you may, like, kind of see it as weak, as foolish, as just kind of, like, slow and unproductive. And I totally get that. I, I really, really do get that. But here's two reasons why I think it's a better way to live. And the first is, dependence on God will free you from the pressure of having to be king of your own life. I'll say that again. Dependence on God will free you from the pressure of having to be king of your own life. See, our culture thinks being king of your own life, and what I mean by that is calling all the shots for your life. Like anything that you do, like I said, like what our culture thinks, you do you. Being king of your own life, they, they think that that is actually what's going to bring true freedom and true joy. I'll, I'll just be honest with you. I'm not so sure it, it's actually working. Because if you look at the most, quote-unquote, successful pe- people in our culture, they're some of the most miserable people, right? And I'm not saying that that means that they're never happy. I'm just saying when they've kind of called the shots and decisions and they've just kind of guided life the way that they thought that they should, it's actually left them in a place that's more miserable than when they started. And maybe you know that experience too, like, you running your own life, making whatever decision, whatever you think will bring happiness, is actually going to bring joy and freedom, but it's actually left you miserable. And I know my, my experience, that's, the, that's my experience. And, and the Bible knows that experience too. Think about this. In the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1 and 2, Adam and Eve, they're in perfect relationship with God. God is just looking on them. They're fully known. They're fully loved. They have full joy and full freedom. And, and, when, and when Adam and Eve take, shot, take like the shots into their own hands and they say, like, we just want to call the shots in our life, and they eat from the tree that they were forbidden to eat from, it actually led them to the place of most insecurity, the most slavery, and the most joylessness, right? They, they, they submit to God's wisdom in their life. They're, 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 the Bible calls it naked and unashamed, which means they're just, they're totally known by God, they're free and they're full of joy. And the minute they choose to make decisions for themselves, they're hiding in the bushes. And they're afraid and they're insecure. See, this is what I want you to know. Letting Jesus be king of your life means that you can trust and submit to him in confidence because he's good. See, the secret to true freedom, the secret to true freedom and joy is actually found in being controlled by God. It's like actually paradoxical. Like freedom and joy is actually found in being con- controlled uh, by God. Because God is, God is good. God is love. God is wise. He is the designer of joy. He created you to experience happiness and joy when you live in his ways. And so when you don't live in his ways, you actually experience 
the very opposite effect of the things that he is calling you to. So when you can submit and take the pressure of having to like control your life and to run things the way that you want them, you'll actually start to see that the, the rest and peace that Jesus experienced. Like Jesus was the most joyful, the most peaceful, the most at-rest human being to ever walk the earth. And he was the most controlled by anyone by his father. So dependence on God will free you from the pressure of having to be king of your own life. And here's the last thing that I want to share with you. Dependence on God frees you from trying to prove that you're stronger than you actually are. So that one more time. Dependence on God frees you from trying to prove to others that you're stronger than you actually are. Have you, have you noticed in life that life is just a bunch of people trying to prove to everyone else how much they have it together when no one else actually has it together? Right? Maybe you experience this at work. You go to work, everybody's stressed out in your business, everybody's stressed out at work, like the boss is making everybody uncomfortable and it's just hard. And everybody's stressed and everybody knows it. But everybody's trying to prove to everyone else that they're managing their own stress better than everybody else when everyone else is experiencing the exact same thing. Right? We all know that experience. And we even do that, we do that within the church. And I, I even do that too. We go to RC and like our lives are like really messy in a season and we're really struggling with depression or struggling with anxiety and we're just having a hard time and we come and we feel the need to have to prove to other people that we're handling how hard life is. And we just like, and I just like wonder, and I think Jesus would ask, just like, aren't you tired of that? <laughs> aren't you tired of it? And isn't it exhausting having to go around and just prove that you have it together, that you're, that you're capable enough? And here's the thing, when you're humble enough to recognize and admit to God ultimately, admit to yourself, admit to others that you just can't, you'll actually start to begin to experience freedom. Like there's been, there's been moments in my life where like I've been maybe asked to do something that I know I can't do. <laughs> like I was like, I have, and I was like, I have two options in this moment. I can either try to like prove to a bunch of people and, and fake them out that I can actually do what they think I might be able to do, or I could just say I can't. <laughs> and here's the thing. When I just say, you know what, I, I just can't. I'm not good at that. There's a peace that I experience in a freedom and a rest. I'm like, oh, that was easy. I can just say I can't do it. <clears throat> and that's what, I think that's the type of life Jesus wants you to get to, where, where, you, where you come to him and you agree, you're simply just agreeing with him that you can't live the life that he's called you to apart from him. And you just come to Jesus and you go, Jesus, I can't. <laughs> Jesus, I can't do it. And you can tell your brother or sister in Christ or anyone, like, yeah, I can't. I can't get over this addiction by myself. I can't get over this struggle by myself. This um, anxiety, it's absolutely dominating me and I can't. And you just come to people and you just lay yourself out. And you come to God and you lay yourself out and go, God, I just absolutely need you for this. And a God who is good, who is kind, will look on you and say, you're actually starting to get, you're starting to get it. And, and God doesn't look down in frustration and go, man, I thought I trained you better than this. I thought you could handle this on your own. He looks down and he goes, listen, I love you. You never were able to do it from the beginning. Like, you, it, I love that passage in Galatians where it's like, if you started by the Spirit, if everything that God started in you, was done by the Holy Spirit. You're not being perfected by the flesh, which means you're not all of a sudden starting to like clean yourself up by your own actions anymore. God's going, listen, I started a work in you and I'm gonna finish a work in you and it's dependent upon me this whole time. Just come to me needy 
and start to experience the rest and peace. And you don't have to prove yourself to me. You don't have to prove yourself to others because I'm good and I love you and my intentions towards you are good. And here's the thing. Once we as a community, we recognize this, that true joy, true freedom is found in surrendering to God, is found in looking to him for, for, for peace, for power, for, for everything. And, and the, when the way that we live together says that Jesus has all power and all wisdom for life, then God will actually get the glory and not ourselves. And, and the world who's kind of watching our lives together, they'll see a bunch of people surrendering their, their preferences and their wills to, the, to, to God. And they'll see a bunch of people praying to Jesus, asking him to do what we can't do ourselves. And they'll actually start to see the beauty of what following Jesus could actually look like. So that's my, that's my prayer for you guys tonight, is that I don't want us to be a bunch of people who <clears throat> we, we, we believe in God, but we live as if we don't need him. Because we do. We, we desperately, desperately need Jesus. So let's, let's pray. <clears throat> God, Lord, we just confess our need for you. And um, we confess our love for you. God, we confess that... <clears throat> So often, and Lord, I can just kind of live as if I have the strength and power to tackle life and the wisdom. And God, I know that ultimately you hold all wisdom, you hold all power. God, you are gracious and kind, you are good and you're loving. God, you are not against us, but you are for us. And so, God, we just want to be a community of people that have open hands towards you. And uh, I pray that we be a people that are prayerful. Uh, a people that seek you for guidance and power in absolutely everything. And so it's in your name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. You're a sign for sorrow.